Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Our next chapter in the series that I'm doing out of the book of Judges comes up to chapter 4. And so I looked at that, and I've been kind of laboring over that really for two weeks, knowing how the timing of this chapter was going to come. And so I want to start off with a couple of things um, to say that, first of all, this is one of those kind of sermons where either you're going to love me more because you understand my heart. Well, actually, there's three possibilities. The first one, the next one, you're just going to get up and leave. Or you're going to walk out saying, that guy's nuts, never coming back again. And so I'm going to say that because I do want you to understand my heart. I'm going to be speaking into something today that I believe has a very prophetic and spiritual impact because today is Father's Day. And I, and I just thought it was amazing how this chapter would, would fall on this. And so I really want to encourage you to just hang on just for a moment. And again, to hear my heart because I believe I'm going to step on some toes this morning. I, I know I'm going to but I'm going to let God help you with that. So let me just pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Because, Lord, your word is the standard. Lord, it is what sets the pace. Lord, there are many who think they know and understand the Bible. Lord, those who even know it's every word, but, Lord, they do not understand it. Lord, they even teach things that are against, Lord, what your message is. So, Lord, as I speak today, Father, I pray you'd open our hearts to hear what the Spirit of God is speaking to us individually. Lord, I've got conviction. Lord, things that I've operated in for 30-some-odd years of walking with you, things that I've seen, preached, taught, experienced, applied to my own life. So, Lord, as I speak these things this morning, I pray you'd open our hearts again. Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read from... Judges chapter 4 today, and then I'm going to make some comment. Judges 4. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now that Ehud was dead, so the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Hesheroth Hegoyim, because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron. Hegoyim means iron. And had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, and they cried to the Lord for help. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lipidoth, was leading Israel at that time. Now this is NIV, it says leading in the NIV, I, be, I mean in the King James, I believe it says judges. So she's considered one of the judges. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. Notice that it was not at Bethel. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead them to Mount Tabor. And I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River, and give them into your hands." Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because 
of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. There Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali and 10,000 men and went up uh, under his command. And Deborah also went up with him. Now, what goes on is probably what you recognize as far as reading this chapter before you know the story. Barak does lead the armies and he goes forward and they defeat uh, them and as a full rout. And of course, what we see in the story is Deborah, who of course is operating as a judge and a prophet, prophetess, and she calls this leader, apparently a fairly well-known man named Barak, and calls him forward. And he answers the call, but with a little bit of something there that should not be lost on us. And that is that he says, I'm not going to go unless you go with me. Now, it's interesting. Before I get rolling on this, I, I need to give a little commentary because what I have heard preached and taught on this before, and perhaps you have been too, is that, of course, Deborah, uh, and I, I read this from a, a particular commentary, that said that Barak, who came up and answered the call, wanted Deborah to come along because he recognized the presence of God, and that was the reason why he wanted her to come along. Now, that would work if you didn't have the second part of what Deborah told him. And that is the, the, the part of the verse that I think most people miss. And that is she says to him, Barak, if you want me to come along, you're going to lose something. You're going to lose something. And that is that the honor, the glory of what could be yours is going to be given to a woman. And not only just one woman, but of course to Deborah, who was there at the battlefield and everyone recognized as a judge, as a prophetess, as one who was leading Israel at the time. But then you have with this J.L. who comes along, simple tent lady, and Sisera who's running, you know the story. He comes in, he is famished, he walks up to what he thinks is just an average woman who says, well, come on in. Of course, she recognizes who he is, the leader of the enemies of Israel. And of course, he's famished and he's tired. He lays down thinking he's in a safe, safe place. She takes a spike, a tent spike. Now, those things would have been about that big. Takes a tent spike while his head is laid down and places it on his temple. Yeah. And then proceeds to drive that stake through Sisera's head all the way through the head. Now, come on, guys, this is good. Come on now, this is one of those. It, I, I chose the movie last night, and it was my kind of movie. And all the girls were like, oh. But anyway, it was my birthday and Father's Day. Come on, man, get over it. My movie. Anyway, we're driving that stake through. And then not just going through the head, but down into the dirt. Now, that's quality. That's quality right there, right, Dan? Where he's pinned down. Of course, he doesn't survive. He's killed instantly. And so what Deborah said came true, because everyone celebrates, even after all the work, after all the battle, everyone celebrates this woman who just with a simple act of faith and courage, just pounding the stake through, is the one who gets all the glory. Deborah sings a song. Barak is just a footnote. Oh, yeah, and then Barak was involved somehow. We don't really exactly remember what he did. But anyway, 
And so I'm here to tell you that this story is a victory and a, and a failure. And you need to get this part. It's a victory and it's a failure. It's a victory and that when Israel was in a tough, tough battle, when Israel was in, was in a place of struggle and the enemy had risen up, there were no men who were available. And as is in so many cultures and times, God looks for someone who is faithful and will answer the call. And there's Deborah who says, I'll do it. If there are no men who will rise up, I will most certainly be a judge over Israel. So I want to stop right there and say something. Because ladies, I'm not going to say another word about Deborah except this. She was faithful. She was awesome. She's considered one of the great women of the Bible. And she always will be, in my mind, as far as studying the Scripture. But guys, we need to move on. Because there is another point in this story. Out of all the judges, there's only one woman. And under the rulership of Deborah, it's not at Bethel, which, was, which means house of God. That was the place where pre-temple where the people of God would gather and worship. This was a different place. So it's pretty obvious from what we see there that it is not complete. And Deborah knew that as well. Because that's why she called upon Barak to come and to do what I call the heavy lifting. She knew she had gotten to only so far of what she could do in her own strength, in her own anointing, and what she had been called to do. But at that point, she was needing a warrior. And may I go as far to say today, a father. A father of a nation. This is really, in my opinion, from what I studied from the scripture here, is that Deborah and Barak and what is taking place here is really a precursor to what I'm going to preach next week. And you're like, oh, man, yeah, I'm sitting here. You've got to come next week to hear it. But it's a precursor, a setup for what happens in chapter 5. But what we learn from this story should not be lost, as I said. And that is, again, God is looking for leaders. God is looking for fathers. Deborah warns Barak that he would not get the praise for his exploits if he relied upon Deborah, a woman. But rather, another woman, again, would get the praise. Men during the era of Deborah are afraid to stand on their own. They lack courage. Barak is a product of his culture. Barak had come to the place where he needed to look. He did not even understand. He didn't even give it a second thought that he should just go out on his own and just do what he was told. Are you following me? I know this is getting uncomfortable, isn't it? I can see you. You're looking at me going, where are you going with this? Oh, I'm telling you, I'm taking it all the way home and bearing it deep. So just hang in. Men of that era, obviously nobody rose up. He had to be called forward. And what we have learned from the first three chapters already is that one of the failures of Israel is what? Not passing on to the next generation the fear of the Lord. Ehud, Ehud, you're the mighty man. You stabbed the big fat guy. It was an awesome story. But who did you pass the torch to? 
No. So that Israel went 20 years without a father, without someone in place that had been passed on to. Again, ladies, I'm not taking anything away from Deborah. I'm not taking anything away. May I jump ahead and say, I'm not taking anything away from mothers. Sometimes, mamas, you got to do what you got to do. Am I right? Sometimes you got to get the spirit of Deborah upon you, and you got to just rise up and say, hey, look, if nobody else is going to do this, I'm going to do it. I'm going to hear from God, and I'm going to go forth in the power of God. Nothing's take away from her. But guys, we need to get the byline here. We need to get the message that in our culture, we have got to hear the voice of God. Let me move on with my notes here. That always works best. Men during the era of Deborah will accept direction from anywhere. Because they're walking, running around, not really knowing what to do, they're not able to defend themselves. 20 years of Sisera beating up on them. Wimpy little guys getting beat up, not knowing what to do, running into one another. Somebody had to call them. They were looking for direction. They were looking for a leader. Someone had to rise up and say, would you just... Form an army? I mean, how hard is that to do? But when you don't have a leader, when you don't have a father who brings it together under a vision, there's chaos. Men during the era of Deborah failed to build that lasting legacy because they are looking long-term or failing to look long-term. Men during the era of Deborah are not able to hear the voice of God but need others to listen for them. Brothers, we got to hear. we got to listen. I'm speaking to men, but I'm, I'm specifically speaking to fathers here today. That if we are not hearing the voice of God, then a couple of things are going to happen. One, the enemy's going to know that. One of the things that we learn in history is that if you show weakness your enemies will take, exam, uh, 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 take advantage of that. Is that not right? Every time. Darkness rises when good men do nothing. I went to 12 different schools in 12 years. I know everything there is to know about walking into the playground and being the new kid. Oh, I can tell you. Not only just a different school, a different state. I've known what it was to be a northerner, to walk onto a playground in Kentucky or the deep south Alabama. I knew what it was like to go from Birmingham, or, uh, Clanton, Alabama, back to Michigan and be that kid that nobody knows. I knew what it was like for people to test me, to test me, to walk up and say, look at you, you big lug. I mean, I'd be sitting there in the classroom, getting ready to walk, and the biggest kid in school walk up to me and say, you want to fight? Because that's the way life is. And, you know, the rest of the story is, in my case, God blessed me with being big. And I said, I'll, I'll, well, no, we're not going to fight here, but, hey, you want to play basketball? How about, we, how about if I meet you at gym class and we play football? So after he picked himself up off the ground and wiped his, the blood from his nose, he realized that, okay, this guy's cool. God blessed me with that, and I'm so grateful. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Anyway, 
But men during the era of Deborah are not able to hear that voice of God. So we're talking about this series. We're talking about the book of Judges, and God is speaking to us. I started this because, man, I saw a layer of prophetic that goes, gosh, it, 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 it applies to us as a local church. It applies to our nation. It applies to what God is speaking to us as a church. But our message today is that God is speaking to us as men, brothers. During the era of Deborah, men are, 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 are being found out. We're being exposed. And it, rather than... Rather than uh, you know, just rising up and fighting, we're tending to go back to the places where, you know, kind of running back to mama, going back to the security, when God is saying, listen, that's, that's not going to get it done. You need to hear from me and do what I tell you to do and to do it with courage. Again, it's a, it's a strong picture in our story of really three things. The failure for men to hear from God. A failure of men to lead. And again, to pass on their warrior spirit to the next generation. I want to look at Barak a little more closely. Again, he was a product of his culture. You know, fathers don't just become. You know, you know that? Fathers are not just made. There's some work that comes into it. But what I have found about fatherhood, it is more of a generational thing than, than more than anything, is that, in other words, guys, we tend to act like our fathers did. We've, we kind of fall back to that, and mamas too. I mean, it's, 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 it's generally something that we see that God had kind of has hardwired us to do. It's called imprinting. And we tend to act like our parents, and, that, and that's good. But what that means is that what our parents are doing better be on target. Because what is being passed could either be a very healthy lifestyle or not a very healthy lifestyle at all. And when you see a generations of this, of what we would call declension, or a generations of this just being eaten away, so that you get to 20 years where Barack is just saying, I, I don't really know what to do. I need you to go with me. I mean, if I can just fill in the dialogue a little bit there. If I was, I, I stand by and say, Barack, come here, come here, come here. Dude. Don't ask for her to come. Let's go, bro. Let's go do this for the glory and the honor. Our boys are watching. Our boys are watching. They need to know we can do this. They need to know that we can fight and we can stand on our own. We need to pass on not a virus of struggle and weakness, but a virus of courage and strength, a good thing. These men were made after generations of fathering. Barak had a confused identity. Ooh, ooh. This story does not match any other mighty man before or after. We will see it in our times as well. With so much sexual confusion, fathers are losing their way. Folks, what we've got going on here today and what we read in the news is absolute chaos when, it, when we talk about men's identity. When we talk about how God has created us to be and what he has placed inside us, what he's hardwired us to do and to be. 
And because of political correctness, because of the pressure of really, you know, the enemy, if you don't understand what the enemy wants to do, is he wants to degrade, he wants to spoil the creation of God. He wants to take what he made and he breathed into, and he wants to spoil it. He wants to confuse it, because he knows that if he can do that, then our, destructive, uh, our destruction is, is self-made. He doesn't have to do another thing. Will destroy our offspring. This is hard stuff, I know. Barak answered the call, but he lacked something. Something that would make his victory incomplete. Something that men feel empty if they don't receive. And Deborah, we know this to be true because of what Deborah said. She said, because of the way you're going about this. John Eldridge said this, I quote. Men want a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. Let me say those three things again. Men want a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. Ladies, can I just pull you aside just one for a second here? You take those three things away from the men in your life, you're going to destroy them. You're going to strip them. You're going to emasculate them. You're going to remove what God has placed in them to be. It's like asking, you know, an animal, that has, like, like a dog, to not chase a stick. And you take that dog and you throw it, and that dog, everything inside it, instinctive, must chase. You know, it's the old squirrel. You know, I mean, it's, they've got to do it. It is it's in them. It's instinct. Guys, that's instinct for us. We've got to, we're born for the battle. We're born for the battle. And, and, and ladies, I'm telling you what, I mean, it started out with our mama saying, oh, no, stop fighting. Wait, come on, man, we got to fight. I had five brothers, and my mama didn't stand a chance. She'd walk into that room, and we'd be like, stop it. Who are you? Going right back to it. We got to fight. We got to break stuff. Let us climb that taller place. We come home with a bloody nose. Don't say, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and wipe it off and say, oh, I'm not going to let you get into that again. Don't do that. Let us become men. And that's my firm belief that I'm, when I'm in raising my children, I'm raising adults, not children. People talk about, I'm raising children. Don't say that. Because there's a lot of 35-year-old children out there. You should start raising adults. That'll change your thinking. A battle to fight. An adventure to live. We've got to live on the edge just a little bit. Matter of fact, when Deborah called Barack, I'm going to tell you, that awakened something inside him. Inside him is like, Really? Something came to life in him. And then finally, that beauty to rescue. Now, ladies, you need to get that. You need to get this today. We want to save you. Let us. We want to be gentlemen. Give us a chance. You know, let us do some things that 
I know our culture is saying is, is so old-fashioned and, and all of that. And that's what I believe is just such a travesty about identity and what's taking place in our culture today is that we're destroying our, ourselves. And because we're trying to rewire ourselves into this unisex thing so that now there's nothing. There's nothing distinctive that came from creation. And we're talking about the beauty now, I'm not talking about the ladies here today because generally, to be honest, someone, so many women do hear from God and do pull it together, just like Deborah. Guys, this message is for us. It's what's written in our hearts. It's undeniable. An authentic man is, therefore, a man who's living with strength and courage and offering his strength on behalf of others. It's not about selfishness, which so many people think it is. It's not. It's who God made us to be. So what can we learn from God as our father? You know, the old saying, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Remember that? Have you answered it? Have you come to a conclusion as to what it was? Well, it was a chicken, of course. I'm here to tell you, it was a chicken. Don't mess around with that question anymore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm playing with you. I don't really know. But what I, I, I really, but this is what I think. Yes, yes, out of nothing, ex nihilo, he breathed, boom, there it was. There was a chicken. But this is why I believe it came a chicken. chicken. I mean, chicken was first. It's because what began creation was a father. It started with a being. It started with the Father. And what does that mean, guys? What does that mean when God identifies with fatherhood? And I'll tell you what, I think that understanding that God is a father really unlocks the Bible in many, many ways. That you have to start with that. That, that, that he is a father. And once you get that straight in your head, I tell you what, it, 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 everything links to it, right? The son has to have a father. And the father sent him. And the son obeyed the father. It's all there. But we begin with creation with a father. And to me, that makes so much more sense. And let's build on it. The father gives life. A father gives life, both, you know, as far as procreation, but, I mean, let's talk about what fathers can do when we're released into that gift, guys, when we're released. That is something that we can do. There is a creative aspect of who we are that when we tap into a biblical understanding of what fatherhood is, there is life that comes from that. Life on every level. And it is something that we give up when we ignore that. It is something that, matter of fact, what is the opposite of life? It's death. The death of a family without a father. The death of, of who we are and our identity, identity without a father. All of creation would just implode without the heavenly father. Fathers are given the impetus to provide, to build to protect all of those things, wonderful things from God. Hardwired to provide. Comes right there from Adam. And when, now you say, 
Uh, and, and, and that's why it really bothers me when people try to take that away from a man. And I, I, I'll, I mean, you know, not very men, many men might admit this, but when you take away their ability to provide, to create, to do something with their own hands, something dies inside them. Absolutely. And Paul even said that. He said, you know, learn to work with your hands. Do something productive. Even if there's nothing really going on, find something to do. Because you know what? That releases something inside you. It's, it's hardwired inside you. It, 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 matter of fact, when we are doing, when we are working, when we are laboring, men more than anyone, well, I guess we only got two, any, two anyone's, right? So men and women. But men, <laughs> men, guys, when we, when we make something, men turn around and they just look at that thing. When they, when, they, when they paint their car, they've taken an old classic. They just look at that thing. They take pictures of it. They buy the model of it. And they behold it. And they let everybody else know about it. You know, guys, when, we're, when we get us all together and we're just goofing off, if there's a shovel or a hammer nearby, before long we're going to start building something. You know, and it might be something that gets in the way. And, and I, we, we know it drives you ladies nuts. What did you build that for? And why'd you put it there? Um, don't know. Must build stuff. You know? To protect. To protect, to rise up and, you know, to take a bullet for our family. I mean, you know, when I hear... Christians, you know, talking about being pacifist and things like that. It's like, I don't know where you come from on what planet. But I'm telling you what, you mess with my children, my wife, and something comes out of me, man. And, you know, whether I have to shoot, stab, pick up a rock, I'm coming. I'm going to protect my, my family. I'm not going to sit back there and go, oh, Jesus would not want me to do that. Fatherhood. Father. That's right. Fathers give courage. They can't afford the luxury of fear. I know that's funny and, and, and maybe insensitive, but you know what? Fathers give courage. That is why generationally, as it begins to break down, which is why we could create a whole generation of men who lack it. You know, I... I Thanks to Clayton. Clayton, you're here today. Clayton and, and Jim, I got the book on D-Day, and I read it. I thought it was interesting that I actually read it and finished it on D-Day. And just going through the book, and I mean, you know, it's just, um, it's just amazing to see what young men will do when they're in a situation. They call them the greatest generation for a reason. And what they were able to rise up and do, it just astounds the mind. It really does. But a lot of it came down to training. Fathering, really, in a way. Because I'm not just talking about natural parents here. Because in the spirit, we understand that generations get broken up. We understand that, you know, none of us you know, really have perfect fathers. Some of us didn't even know him. And so, but again, that's all just a starter packet for us to get to know the heavenly father who will be the perfect dad, who will give us everything we need, who will who give you all these things that I'm mentioning here right now, courage, that ability to provide, 
protection. God can, our daddy, heavenly daddy can do all of that, but really, we also need to look at ourselves. And so courage is definitely passed on. I'm grateful to, for my dad. At times when I wanted to pull away and not do something, he said, no, you're going to do it. But dad, I don't, no, I'm not going to talk about this. I'll never forget one day, dad drove me to a football field, practice field in Alabama. It was my first day. And I walked into the, in the room, and it was two other guys, there was another other guy in there. I forgot his name, but both of us were, were new guys that had moved up. We were sophomores moving up to the, the varsity, and we both were kind of nervous and putting our pads on and everything. And, and I remember my dad was there, and I walked on the field, and man, I saw it. You ever been to, ben, you ever been to Alabama in August? I really believe that's hell. That's what hell's going to be like. I'm serious. I mean, I'm watching this stuff come up off the field. They call them like demons, you know, and I'm looking at that going, huh, what? what? I'm not going out there for two hours. And I just said, Dad, I'm not thinking this is a good. He said, son, you're going to go out on that field, and you're going to play. And his appeal was good. He said, David, this is what you were born to do. So you're going to go out there, and you're going to play with those guys. And I remember if my dad had said, oh, really? You don't want to? Yeah, you're right. It is looking pretty. Come on. Come on, buddy. I know I make fun of that, but I'm telling you. I'm so grateful that that taught me to face my fears, to face the, the, the obstacles that might come up, the things that we don't want to do. Fathers love unconditionally by showing affection and patience. That's our Heavenly Father, man. He shows that affection. He's ready to pour it out upon us. It makes us a little insecure. And we're, we're guys, we don't always know what to do with affection. It's like hugging. It's like, um, well, you know, so we just shake hands. On football, they slap each other on the rear end. Now, I know that's weird, but it's guy's way. It's saying, I love you, man. I'm for you, man. And that all comes from Daddy in heaven. But fathers, when we really get a hold of what God has called us to do as dads, there's an unconditional love that shows affection and has, has patience. The failure is not fatal. Fathers are willing to give themselves to change their circumstances. We saw Daddy do that in heaven. He knew we were broken. He knew we needed to be redeemed. He knew we were going to hell, and we deserved it. But he sent his son, his only begotten son, which hurt him deeply to watch him suffer on that cross, to have to turn his face away to his son. If we can imagine it, just for a moment, for our, to us to hear in our ears our children saying to us, why are you forsaking me? Why are you leaving me here to suffer? I mean, any dad, any mom inside us would rise up and just say, I can't do this. But that's what our Heavenly Father did for you and me. He endured that. And in the same way, as fathers naturally, what we learn from him is that we've got to give of ourselves. We've got to sacrifice, even when it hurts. Fathers are faithful to their wives and children. They are a constant for the family. You know, in almost every area of life, our society has produced standards. Standardized testing, standards for health, standards for our environment, standards for our money and the use of it, political correctness, 
to try to keep us from hurting each other's feelings, but we cannot seem to come up with a standard for fathering. And we are suffering for it. Too many churches not addressing the issue. Too many of us, because we find ourselves in the era of Deborah, don't want to stand up and say, you know what? Ladies, we love you, but we're going to fight this on our own. We've got to do this. We're going to pray for you. We're going to love. We're going to be back. We're bringing some plunder with us, so, you know, give us some time. But we've got to go because there's something important. There's there's, there's something legacy. There's a legacy at stake here. Again, not taking anything away from Deborah. It bothers me to think that we can't, in these days, talk about biblical manhood. It bothers me. It does a whole lot more than that that I won't say. But it really makes me angry. To the point now that if you even talk about it, there are those out there that are, that are mind police. I mean, do, do, the, what, what, what is going on is we're creating this, um, this state of, of observation where even our children are being encouraged to, turn, our, to turn, our, turn their parents in if they have talk that doesn't seem politically correct. That's scary, people. And it's closing in on me and it's suffocating me as a pastor to be able to preach what I see as the clear word of God and how God created things to be. Why can't we talk about that? And why are we as Christians Afraid to talk about standards from the scripture when it comes to sex, when it comes to what, what God intended things to be. Why can't we talk about that without being offended, without feeling like, oh, well, they're just, oh, they're too fundamental. They're too much into the, into, you know, I, I, you know, look, you know, my heart is that this is all about grace and that what we do is we set a standard but we let him help us get there. We all know we're going to fall short. But the point is, he says, be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. But he knows we never can be, which is why Jesus came. But we've got to have something to set our sights on. We've got to have something to look at that that says we can be more. We can be men who hear from God. We can be men who are faithful to our wives. We can be men who will rise up and fight when the time comes that we won't just turn a blind eye to injustice. Got to be able to do it. Today we can change this. We can. Because we can't do any of this on our own. We have a perfect father who can fix we can fix our eyes on, but he can fix us. Man, aren't you glad? I know you're sitting here today, and the first part of this sermon just loaded something up on you. Made you feel a little bad. Believe me, it makes me feel bad too. Because, you know, when you look at the scriptures, we often tend to fall into that mode of thinking, man, I'm just not measuring up there. But did you know that's what the Bible is meant to do? Did you know that? It's meant to bring you to a place of helplessness, of brokenness, to feel like, I can't do this. And God is saying, you got it. You can't. That's why you need a Savior. That's why you need a Jesus. 
That's why you need him, guys, to come and to fill you with himself. If you can't cut it as a father, he says, got this. All we need to do is surrender to him. All we need to do is to say, look, um, I, can't, I don't know how to do this. My dad didn't teach me any of this. I don't know what to do. The father says, oh, I can. That's what I do. He is the father. And he has all these wonderful things. And by the Holy Spirit, he can bring them into our lives. He can give us courage. He can give us that, that ability to, to rise above our culture and say, you know what? Enough is enough. And see, next week, we're going to study the guy who said that. Next week, we're going to get to the guy who said, it's time to move on. It's, ready. it's time to start a new thing. But for us today, for fathers, for men, guys, we have a son who died for us so that we can be re reconciled to our heavenly father. We have the Holy Spirit to fill us with boldness, courage, and power to become mighty fathers and leaders of our times. But the key is we've got to learn from others' mistakes. That's why we study the Word. We look at Barak and we say, you know what, guy? I'm glad you fought and you did what you did, but you know what? You fell a little short there. You should not have turned your back on your men in a way and on your children in a way. See, glory and honor are things you've got to hold very carefully. Very carefully. As a matter of fact, we're only supposed to hold it for a short period of time, just for a moment, and then what do we do with it? You know what we do with it? We give it back to him. Because it wasn't ours in the first place. But we hold on to it a moment, and because there's people watching, especially our sons and our daughters, who are looking and saying, I want to be like that. That's what I want to do. I want to conquer the impossible. I want to take on the giant. I mean, can you imagine being David's sons, sitting around the table, and sitting there mounting on some chicken, and, hey, man, did you hear the one about what dad did? Some kid says, yeah, man, he beat up someone. So, yeah, my dad killed Goliath. Top that. Nine-foot giant. Yes. So, how do we finish this? I'll tell you. Guys, I told you I want to give you a gift today. And this is what I want to do. If we could all just stand up this morning. And I want to make a call here. Because I want to pray for you this morning. Not just in your seat, but I want you to, to come out of your seat. And I want to start with you fathers in the room. Guys, come on down. If you're a father here today, I want to pray for you. And I want to give you a gift an impartation from God. You know, I, I'm really trusting and believing God that there's going to be something implanted in your heart today. Something fresh. Something new. Amen. All right. Then here, I'm just going to pray for you guys as fathers, and then I'm going to ask all the rest of the men to come on down here. So, guys, bow your heads. Let's come before him. Guys, I want to take a moment to strip from you all of your identity. I'm just going to take it away. I don't care what you've done. Don't tell me your stories. I don't want to hear them. I'm not impressed. Not impressed. Just take it away. Gone. 
So here you are. You guys are just lumps of clay. That's all you are. That's all we are. Dust formed. But as you're standing there right now, right now, God wants to fill you up. But you've got to clear your heart. Just clear it. I mean, I want to speak to a couple of things very quickly. There's some discouragement here. And God says, don't do that. I love you. There's no reason to be discouraged. I've taken care of your past failures. I understand them. For those things I died. Don't let them cloud you. Taking away your victories, but taking away your failures as well. Gone. Washed in the blood of Jesus. Now, into each one of you guys, I want to speak fresh courage. Receive it from God. This is your time, men. Fathers, to rise up. To father the ones that you still have in your home or ones that you have access to. To speak into their lives. It's never too late. Positionally, you have the authority as a dad. And it doesn't matter if you're a good one or a bad one. It's in you. All you have to do is open your mouth and God will anoint it. Lord, I pray for a fresh courage on these men. Lord, I pray for a new boldness over these men. God, for a moral purity that God would strengthen it all, an integrity, a fresh character that goes deep, deep down inside. Lord, to say no to ungodliness and to say yes to you. God, that you would shake up their passions. Shake them up. So that, Lord, what comes to the top is, Lord, a passionate desire to follow you with their whole life. To fight the fight. Fight the good fight. Lord, not to look around at anyone. If they're the last one and the only one on the battlefield, that they will fight to the top. Clawing working their way to not give up. Lord, I just, I pray, Lord, for affection. Lord, where these men might be held up because of the lack of affection in their lives, I ask you to fill them right now. Top them off, Lord, right now. Just fill them up with the ability to love their wives, God, with a gentleness. Lord, with a kindness. With a strength. Lord, fill them, Lord, with that ability, God, to sacrifice as well. Lord, we ask you to forgive us for our selfishness. Lord, we want to die to that, and Lord, give into the sacrificial agape love that we'd be willing to lay down our lives, God. Lord, I know that's hard, but Lord, through that door, more of our needs will get met, and that's a promise. So Lord, let us not focus on our needs because you're going to care for us. You're going to take care of what we need when we need it. So Lord, I pray you bless these men. Bless these fathers, God. Fill them with the heart of God. Fill them with the anointing of God. Fill them, Lord, with the heart of a father. Regardless of what they've experienced or what they've done and what they know, fill them with a supernatural ability. Now, the rest of the guys in the room, guys, come on down. I want to just pray for us as, as men. 
Lord, I pray for every man in this room today. That, Lord, you'd anoint them. You'd fill them. You'd grace them. Lord, that you would allow them, Lord, to start a new thing. That, Lord, today, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That, Lord, we're going to rise up with a sword and a hand and, a, and Lord, a trowel in another. Lord, to fight the battles, God, that come to us. And yet, Lord, with the trowel, Lord, to continue to be building our home, building what you've called us to build. Not distracted. Lord, not addicted. Lord, break that spirit right now in Jesus' name. Be gone in Jesus' name. Release these men. Release these men, God, to follow after you hard and passionately. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Let's give the Lord a clap offering today. Let's just thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I love you guys. I'm with you in the fight, all right? And we need, to, need each other in this fight as well. So God bless you. You have a great day. Ladies, I love you. Go forth. Let these guys love you too, okay? Have a great one.